Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Chivas del Norte podcast. We are indeed still recording podcasts. It's been it's been a really long time. Um, we've all been very busy. Uh, unfortunately, we do not get paid to to talk about Chivas twenty four seven as much as we'd love to. Uh, I don't know about love, right? I mean, we might we might hate talking about Chivas twenty four seven nowadays with the the way half the institution is going. But we're going to get into that a little more uh, into the podcast episode today. We're going to talk everything Chivas Feminine. That we're coming off a season where Chivas won the championship. They won their second championship in team history. With me, as always, to discuss Chivas Feminine. Melissa, Melissa, how are you? Fine. We, we also decided not to record because it seemed like that gave good luck to the team. <laughs> we stopped recording and all of a sudden they started winning a lot, so... Yeah, I mean, we're back and plenty of things to discuss. Um, it was like a very good semester, I think. Easily, I think, the, the best season that the team has had, not just purely like on the titles, but the way they played, like the mentality they showed, like they're the best defense now. And I'm very lucky that I was able to, to experience them lifting that title at the Akron. Um, I, I, I still, I think that I still can believe that I got to, to leave that because, I mean, that's every fan's dream, right? Seeing their, their team win a championship at home. And I can check that off my bucket list, but hopefully I can get to leave a lot more of those those special occasions. That's right. I, for, I forgot you went to the to the final. Um, that, that That's awesome. Like, just uh, like you said, that's a, it's like every fan's dream, right? Being in the house when, when the team wins the championship. Um, that was like a stressful... Uh, 90 minutes then right what it was like one nil for maybe like for 40 the, minutes yeah. about <laughs> around there right yeah yeah it was like the longest 90 minutes of my <laughs> life and i i also like i was on first row like right behind the, the chivas bench so i had like a fantastic view and we were all yelling at pato so i'm, I'm sorry pato <laughs> that, that we yelled so much crap at you but it was like yeah okay first half chivas was kind of like there and then, like, right at the start of the second half, everybody started yelling at him, like, Pato, you need to fix that meat. The meat's not working, bro. Get those substitutions in. And then, like, Pachuca scores, and everybody started yelling at him, like, even louder, like, that's what you fucking want. And then, like, all, all sorts of, like, crap and, like, insults at him. So, like, I mean, the people that, that were offended that we... Um, like Boot, Norma, and Charlene, and maybe some some people like yell stuff at them. Like we also really, really yell a ton of stuff at Pato too. So it, it's not just about like the rivals. And yeah, people were super mad like at him, and they were like, "Come on, Pato, are you waiting on them to score again or what?" And then when like the, the PK got called, everybody was like, "Esa lo que querías, Pato, no te No, bro, it was crazy. It was crazy. Wow. Like, like the way the stadium felt when when Charlene was going to kick that PK, I mean the the, the videos don't don't do it justice. Like you really had to be there, and like the way everybody cheered when when Blanca had that save. I mean it's one of the, I think it's one of the finest moments like in Chivas family history, and, and like to be able to to live that's just like insane. Like I I I still can't process the fact that I was able to. To see that live, I mean, it was it was crazy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that that penalty save was like the uh, 
the redemption arc for Blanca Felix was complete at that point, or at least we thought, right? Um, another a, fi- a final later, the the redemption arc would really complete itself. But you know, we remember the final from two seasons ago where Blanca leaves the field crying because you know um, she made a couple of mistakes at goal, and now if it wasn't for Blanca Felix, you know, Chivas might might have not won that that second championship in in their team history. Yeah, and she had, like, injuries, and, like, I don't know, I think that mentally she wasn't in a good place. And, like, with Blanca, you can tell, like, she's a a very, like, transparent player in that regard. You can immediately tell how she's feeling. And it was important, like, for her because at the start of the season, people were saying, no, we want Blanca out, like, she should leave. She doesn't have the, what it takes to be Chivas' goalkeeper. We want Celeste to be the starter, Blanca has nothing else to give. And then, like, because, like, of the nature of the sport, she got this huge chance and she delivered. And and I think that it's not just purely, like, Blanca, but also the entire defense. Like, they clicked the entire tournament. Yeah. Uh, They're now, like, the best defense in, in league history and the work everybody did. And... Even players who were out of their natural position, like Cassandra, who had to play centre-back a few times, they all did their best. And I think that also set up like uh, a better position for Blanca to be in. Like She, she had that backup and like that defence that considered a ton of goals in, in the final against Tigres, they really matured and they really showed up this season and during Liguilla too. The only hiccup, I think, was against Pumas, who which was like a crazy a crazy quarterfinal but we all know that quarterfinals are very bumpy for Chivas so yeah I mean I think that that it's also like the the process and the the maturity that everybody has because Blanca is I don't know how how old is Blanca let me google uh, that let's google she's it like real 26. quick she's 26 so oh, wow. she's not even that old <laughs> Yeah, we, we were talking before we started recording that we sometimes forget how young these players are. So Blanca, when she first got into the league, she was 21. And now at 26, she has three titles and she has been in, in finals and, and she's just 26. So she, she still has a lot to give. And I don't know if it's because of the videos they've been posting, but I do see, like at least in the material that, that the club shares, I do feel like the goalkeeper training has improved. I, I see like different drills that they hadn't been showing before, and and you can also tell like in the skills that they're displaying that they're maybe they have changed a little bit in their training because I feel like they were kind of like stagnating a little bit. Like I didn't feel like they were growing, and and Blanca like gave that that huge step that she needed to to give and. It's con- it's great for her and it's great for the team because like a big discussion was during the Campeona de Campeonas match because Celeste played the, the second leg and it was like, why are you subbing Celeste out? Does that mean that you're not trusting her? But I think that but something that I acknowledge that Pato did well was realizing the strengths of, of each goalkeeper and having two goalkeepers with different skill sets that you can use in different situations can only make the team stronger. I mean, I don't see them necessarily as competition, even though, of course, they are competing with each other to be the starter. But they have, like, really complementary skill sets that we can use to to boost the team in different situations and different matchups. 
yeah, I, I think that was more um, kind of like psychological warfare from Pato. You know, you know the the run that Blanca's been on, going to the final. You see what she did in the final. Why not? You know, you have the substitution. Why not put her in? Psych out the Rayadas players in the shootout for the Campeona de Campeonas. And, and I mean, it worked, right? They skied, I think, two penalties. Blanca blocked a couple. So in the end, it pays off. And I, I, I think you're right that, you know, Celeste and Blanca, they are competing. But I think, you know, we, we get like that very like a strong teammate relationship between the both of them. Um I know, I know. Celeste was kind of crying when they t- when they subbed her out, and then you know immediately once the once the team won, I think the team went to embrace Celeste, and you know they were all telling her, you know, this is not it's not a one person thing, you know, it's not on you, it's not on that person, you know. They're like it's all of us, and you know I think she she understood it, I think, because you know start smiling, start celebrating, but then again, you know, you think how old is Celeste, Melissa? Like 18. like eighteen, nineteen. So of course, right? She's gonna get emotional about being subbed off in the final after you did, you know, you played uh, the the second leg, the complete second leg. You know, you did your part. You kept your team in the match. You want to finish the match, right? You're 18 years old. You want to finish the match. You get subbed off. Yeah, it's gonna hurt, but I think you know it also shows great maturity when you you start celebrating with the team, knowing you know you did your part. You did what you had to do for your team. Your team won won another trophy. And you were an integral part of it, and we can't also forget that Celeste never really lost the the starter position for Chivas because she started off at the starter. She leaves to I think the U twenty World Cup qualifiers or something, a tournament, and that's when Blanca takes the position back, and then she just never let it go because Pato entrusted the position with her. You know, we we use Blanca all the way to the final, and, and they win the championship. But Celeste never really lost the position, so there's still that inner competition for the for the starting goalkeeper position. I think it also gave you know Blanca that that kick in the butt sometimes that players need. You know they need to know that someone's waiting, someone's chipping at their at their heels, waiting to take their position. And I think Celeste is like the perfect competition for Blanca and and keeps her motivated and motivates her to keep keep going for that position. Yeah, I mean. The maturity that, that the team has shown is in accepting that everybody has a different role and like delivering on that role. And you can feel the, the strength in the locker room that, like you said, like everybody went with Celeste, like even Blanca, like she did her entire like press tour after the match right next to Celeste. Like, like we are a team of, of goalkeepers and we are giving all the interviews together and like she was always giving props to her. So that speaks like both to the leadership that Blanca has and that we know that she has in the in the locker room. She's one of the hearts of Chivas. And and also like of this commitment of we, we are all pushing each other together to, to bring the team to to where it should be because Chivas should always be a, a relevant team in the league. So yeah, it feels like the, the culmination of like the building stage that, that began with a little bit with with Chore and now with Pato and like even nobody had any faith in in Pato <laughs> delivering the championships and and sometimes people still joke with the fuera Pato because like nobody <laughs> nobody liked uh, Pato because I even checked the stats right even though we were super strong defensively the team was scoring a lot less too 
Yeah. But I think that it's also the way he changed how the team played and it became much more efficient. Maybe not flashy and maybe not like this super aggressive team that we, we all know that they could be. But the thing was that in the end, like it, it's the that part that Chivas lacked that was defense and not necessarily just like the center backs or, or the or the right backs or left backs or the goalkeeper. But even Michelle, I think, mentioned it in a few interviews. Even our strikers are our first defenders. So I think that the entire team absorbed that mindset. And you would see Licha, Caro, and, and Jocelyn doing like all that defensive coverage. And everybody added that to that to their skill set. And in the end, it, it ends paying off, right? Because you have a team that is solid defensively. And like, of course, we all know what the, the attacking players of Chivas can do. But it, it kind of rounded, rounded it up so well. So that even though we might not have like these super beautiful <laughs> matches all the time or a ton of goals, they end up getting the first, the best ever like point average in the in the team's history. And like I said, it was a historic season, and maybe everything that had been going wrong like turned around, and everything that could have gone right went right, and. Like it's not just on the team level, but also like individually, the way Licha has has changed the team because she's now like a double Golden Boot winner. Even though she always says that she doesn't care about that because her goal is to have a championship with Chivas. Now she has everything, right? She has a Golden Ball, she has a double Golden Boot, she has Campeona de Campeonas, she has a league title. So. I think that more than making her satisfied, I think that she's going to be even hungrier because she's someone who is very clear about wanting to to mark a, a place in history with this club. So I think that she's on a very good way to, to becoming that. Yeah, I mean, look look at how much happened in the last season of, of Chivas Femenil that, you know, we've focused on Blanca. We, we've talked about Pato and... Up, up until now is when we mentioned Licha. Like last season, going into the season, I would have never thought that. You're not, you're not gonna wait until what minute are we on? Like the 14th minute of a Chivas Femenil podcast to mention Licha. That that's like insane. But yeah, I mean Licha, back-to-back Golden Boot winner. She has the Ballon d'Or. She has the two titles now with Chivas which was always her goal every time she gets interviewed she always says she wanted to be a champion with Chivas um Licha had an incredible season um I know you mentioned Pato and how fans still joke around with the Fuera Pato and they crack those jokes but I mean I was one of the fans going into Liguilla that didn't didn't know whether I could trust this team or not because like I, I I know we talk offline all the time and I was like I don't know I hope they can prove me wrong because at times this team looks like uh it didn't look like the best offensive team like defensively I guess we we didn't have to be too worried up until Ligia because Ligia for some reason we just started leaking goals I think we went into Ligia having allowed three goals the whole season four goals and then immediately Pumas in the in the quarterfinals tops whatever we we allowed in the season I think with four goals um, Tigre scores two goals on us in in uh, Monterrey. We have that I I don't want to say miraculous, but incredible Kimberly Guzman goal, where Licha like gets you know critics and fans are saying Licha didn't do anything during that, but 
she like pulls the fenders. They, these are like the untangibles that you can't measure. She does everything. Kimberly gets us that that second goal against Tigres. Um, Pachuca against Pachuca. You know, Gabi Valenzuela. We were talking about her uh, before we started recording. You know, she she shows up. Licha scores a penalty. Caro, like all these players, had great tournaments, and now going into this new season, I think we can be pretty excited about about what this team can do once again. We got two great signings. Um, we're gonna get into that a little a little bit later, but yeah, I think last season was incredible. Hopefully, they could repeat this season the success and maybe go back to back. Yeah, I mean, we we we'll have to see what the expectations are coming in because I, I was checking this chart that Gregorio Bus posted on, on Twitter. He has great stats and he always checks like which teams had more points than the previous season, which teams lost more points than they used to have. And Chivas won, I think like 10 more points than, than the previous season. So it, it had, a, they had a huge growth. So it's about, now it's about sustaining that, like that that presence that they show that they have. And like in a funny way, I think that all the high profile signings that everybody did kind of have thrown them back into the underdog label. And it's funny how that happens with Chivas because I don't think that anybody has ever said Chivas are going to be champions like they do with other teams, right? Like not even exact necessarily ratio teams, but I see a lot of people always putting maybe America or Pachuca first. Even coming into the final, everybody was like, no, but I mean, Charlene and, and she can win. And I don't think that Chivas can pull this off because look, they have been kind of shaky. And and I think that also suits them. I think that, that Chivas wear the, the underdog shirt very well. And maybe like stuff like Jenny Jenny Hermoso signing with Pachuca and, and all that is going to take up the spotlight from them. And that's also going to make them like more eager to to say, look, this was not a fluke. And I think that it's also like a very underrated part of what Nelly Simon has done. And I and I, I did like an article on that for Food Mix Nation because there are a, a few like themes that have been underlying all this success. It's it's not a, a stroke of luck that this happened now because we have young players that have been maturing. I think that the signings have been have been adequate. Like they haven't been signing like these huge names or bringing in tons of players, but they have been the pieces that the team has needed to to take those little steps towards towards a title. And I think that there's something to be said about that strategy in the face of what the other teams that have the most most titles have done. So Chivas haven't necessarily been investing a lot or, or, or they don't have like the highest payroll, but they have been able to, to sign players in a very smart way. And also like, I mean, I need to acknowledge that Pato, despite all the doubts we had, <laughs> He's kind of like the opposite of Chore in a few ways. Like, Chore was all in, super aggressive, but we all knew that Chore wasn't the best at, at adjusting the second halves, and sometimes the, the team would, would fall off a little bit in the second half, and like all that kind of stuff. And, and with Pato, it's the opposite in that the team is more discreet, 
but he also has like this knack for finding the right adjustments and making the team come back because a huge theme with Chivas during the Liguilla was they were always getting scored on first and they were never bothered by that because they had this belief that they were able to turn everything around. Like even against Tigres, you are heading into the second leg of a semifinal against Tigres down to zero. And like a lot of teams would have given up at that point. Like it's impossible to, to beat Tigres to zero. I remember reading that they hadn't lost by that margin in like a hundred matches. So they had like a, it was legit a 1% chance of making it and they pulled it off. So I think that that speaks to the mental aspect that has been very important, like that maturity from everyone and to the way that the roster has been built up very slowly, but also in a very firm way. Yeah, I think the work that Nelly Simon has done can't be discredited. You know, she deserves all the all the credit in the world and I think they did like a little they did like a half hour segment with Nelly before the uh, championship presentation that the team had in, in Akron with uh, the Chivas TV crew and you know I think they were just giving her her flowers uh, for what she did and I mean every time she talks and uh, and she talks about her goals for the team and, and her ideas and her philosophies you know they, they're just what you want to hear from a, a sporting director you know she seems to really have an idea of what she envisions the future of of Chivas Fanil being and it's been three years I think she said her goal was to win the championship in three years and she did it like a day after her three-year anniversary with the with the team yeah and another thing that I touched on with the article was that Nelly at first she really fell into that dynamic of the regio teams right bringing mm-hmm. big, like, bomb signings, Maria Sanchez, Janelli Farias, being, bringing in, like, big-name players with a ton of experience abroad. And she was really trying to, to compete, like, with the Regio teams in terms of, like, of these player auctions in a way. And that didn't work. Like, it, it seems like Chivas is kind of allergic to that approach in a way. <laughs> and, and, like, she messed up. And even, like, the way that the Ramon Villaseballo situation was handled, it was obviously not ideal because we ended up losing a ton of players. But I think that the the valuable part of, of what Nelly did is that she realized, okay, so this is not going to work. I already messed up this once. I, I need to come up with a different strategy. I need to think. I need to, to figure out how to, how to build a better roster and, and like trust maybe younger players and maybe even, even like with, a measure of luck, right? Because we all know the story of Licha, that she was close to not arriving at Chivas. It was just like a last-minute call. And, like, let's be honest, like, she was a player that when she arrived, she wasn't what she is now. She was like a, a substitute striker from Rayadas who had zero minutes coming in. She hadn't scored in a while. But that's also the thing with Chivas, and that's as an asset that can be used the belief that the Chivas players have when playing for this crest, like the way that Jaramillo, even though she she has played for the best team in the league, the way that she feels about playing for Chivas, the way Blanca feels about playing for Chivas, like even Boyi, who came in from Atlas, like you saw her on her debut, and like they all know what this club means. And I think that, that also the way they respond to that 
has helped them to find better versions of themselves. Like Cassandra Montero, the, when she just arrived, she was... A lot of fans didn't like that signing because they were saying, like, why are we signing a player from Mazatlán? Like, we should be signing players from the Regio teams or from abroad. What are we doing looking there? And with everything that she has experienced, because her life story is incredible, and the way that she found a place where she could grow and she could show who she was, because she already came in as the, I think that she was the third best player, like in in recovery of, of of ball. So I mean, she was already good, but she was, has been able to build a space where players can come in and become even better. So I think that speaks to the the way the the team culture is building because it's building a, a team culture that is of a ton of support, of a ton of belief. And everything feels super healthy right now compared to the way it was, like even during Chores last last season, where or a few times where the team kind of felt like it was falling apart emotionally. And it's also going to be interesting to see how they sustain that, not not just like the sporting performance, but also like maintaining a, a healthy team dynamic because that's the thing that's been also powering the team. Yeah, for sure. That uh, that locker room morale needs to needs to be sustained. Um, let me see. What was I? I had some. I had a point. Oh yeah, Cassandra Montero. I mean, you mentioned her coming to Chivas. She wasn't a flashy signing, and and now you know she she earned national team call ups after not being involved in the in the national team process coming up as a player. So th- these are the kind of opportunities that that Chivas gives to players. Um. We see it happen all the time on, on the we we've seen it happen like growing up on the men's side, and now it's awesome to see it happening on the women's side too. You know, you got players that come, come to Chivas, play well, and and it earns them national team um, recognition and call ups. Yeah, because like the thing with and this is something that's different from the men's side. Your pool of players is not that big because it's still mm-hmm. growing because it's still developing. And your pool of like what we can call like maybe more elite players is also like way smaller because you cannot sign as many foreign players. And also because like a lot of the national team players there, they have been the same for a long time. And right now we are having like more players that are joining those ranks. But while other teams are choosing to buy national team players, Chivas is taking a way different approach and they are building national team players because, I mean, Licha, Jocelyn, Cassandra, they were never players that were on that already on that club. Like, they had never been called up. Uh, Jocelyn maybe a little bit more because she had already been seen by Vergara in the U20, but that was still very recent compared with somebody like Annette, for example. Like, the only one that had previous experience was Jaramillo yeah. when she was at Tigres. But even she had been relegated a little bit. And I think that's also something I need to mention. Like, the way that Jaramillo has improved mentally, because at first, like, she would still pick up fights and she would get really angry and she would, like, fight the refs. And, like, you can <laughs> see now there are moments when you can almost feel, like, how she's maybe about to explode, but she kind of holds herself back. So I think that that's also like a, a huge boost for her, like the way that she has grown mentally, even though she's like a more veteran player and you could be saying, oh, I mean, 
at her age she's maybe not going to change what she did and i think that's that's part of the process that the players have been able to have at chivas yeah definitely i remember when she first got to chivas um she would get like a yellow card every every other game red cards a couple of times i was like oh man like she was good i was like she's really good but she's a hothead like she needs to fix that every time you know she starts arguing with a referee i'm like oh no we got we got to sub her off or she's gonna get a red card she's gonna talk herself into a red card but um we still do see flashes of that like attitude but i think it's like necessary to have that on the field too at times because you know it's the way she gets like hit, she gets hit a lot on the pitch, and and referees don't call a lot of the stuff that that happens to her. We see with Justine Montoya, like Montoya just takes the hits, like she gets beat up every game, and never like complains to the referee. She's just like, all right, whatever. But Caro, she Caro said, gets like, hit. She said that yeah. she laughs it off because yeah. is like, oh, I'm so good that you can stop me like any other way, <laughs> and that's her attitude. But Caro is completely different. But yeah. I think that it was this season that Licha was the one who got fired up and it was Caro who dragged her away. <laughs> and that was so funny to me because I was like, the, the, the roles have been completely reversed. <laughs> like, now it's Licha who gets angry and it's Caro, the one who's like more level-headed and, and pulling her away. It's the, it's the growth from Caro. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So I think we did a good job of recapping the last season that Chivas had. Their championship, they have the Campeona de Campeonas, um, Licha's Golden Ball, back to back Golden Boots. Um, I think we can move on to like the catapult. I think to to what to what led to us recording today, Melissa. Uh, contra- controversy in Chivas going on. Um, not new controversy because th- this is ha- this happened last season for Chivas Femenil. Um, of course, we're talking about the the Leslie Ramirez signing, who was the first Chivas player since the uh, Vergara statute had gone into effect at Chivas, where he said that Chivas would only sign Mexican Mexican players who were uh, Mexican by birth, and they had to represent the Mexican national team. Um, we see we saw when they signed Leslie Ramirez that Chivas got rid of that statute and went back to the old version of the statute where Chivas can field and sign players that were born Mexican. And, uh, you know, according to the Mexican Constitution, if you were born in Mexico, you're Mexican. If you were born anywhere else but your parents were born in Mexico, you are Mexican by birth. So that that happened. That happened last season or it was last season, right? Mid Around mid-season we signed Leslie, Melissa? Yeah, it was at the at the start of, of last season, so yeah, she didn't get a lot of minutes, but the controversy was was big, and I mean, for me, it's like a non-issue, and I right. know that maybe some people might say that my attitude is too too relaxed or too modern, but I mean, I think that the original like 1906 rules were just that just you just have to be mexican and and for me i think that it also reflects on a lot of the worst attitudes because you know we have this discussion a lot whenever chivas plays foreign teams whenever Mm -hmm. 
like is is, is the the Chivas like statute xenophobic or does it promote like this weird awful nationalism? Mm-hmm. I think that there's two ways to view it. For me, it's like it it can turn that way if we if we let it turn that way, like with discussions about Leslie and the discussion that is incoming with Ormeño. But I think that for me, it's about like representing Mexico. But in that representation, like being as diverse as, as we can be, because Mexicans are, are so diverse, like, and then that's also ties in with the fact that we're doing this in English because you, you guys got <laughs> us, right? Why, why are you reading in English if we are Mexican and we have to stay in that? Because our Mexican nature is to speak Spanish. I mean, if you really want to go truly Mexican, then then we should be talking in in an indigenous language, we should yep. be talking in Nahuatl or or Tenec or any of the so many so many diverse indigenous languages that we have in the country. So I mean, I think that for me, it should be about embracing our our Mexicanness, to call it that way, but embracing the fact that it's diverse and that we may have Mexicans that that don't speak Spanish, and and that might mean that they are speaking an indigenous language or that might mean that they only speak English or they only speak French or they only because we are everywhere. So, I mean, I think that the more we embrace the diversity, the better this team is going to be. And that means accepting Mexicans that are born elsewhere, Mexicans that might want to choose a different national team because, I mean, in Leslie's case, I, I don't know if people like really have gotten into learning about this, but I mean, how can you deny her uh, representing Guatemala when it's also a part of who she is and also because why she does it? Like the reason she plays with Guatemala is because her mom passed away. And after she passed away, she got the, the call from the Guatemalan national team. And like, she also wasn't getting any nods from Mexico. Like, it's not like she had, been getting calls from Monica Vergara to go into training and then she chose to play for someone else, right? This was her chance to experience national team play and she also was given the chance to honor her mom who who passed away. So, I mean, I don't know how you can look at that and then look at her and say, no, you are not Mexican because you chose to honor your mom. I mean, what can be more Mexican than the the need to honor our families like that's so ingrained into our culture and like for me i mean i'm proud to have a player who who does that i mean for me it's like i said it's a non-issue because she's mexican by birth so whatever she chose to do with the with her national team allegiance that that doesn't make her more or less mexican this is something that that daniel from Twitter also said there are no degrees like by the constitution you are either Mexican or you are not so I, I don't know why we keep doing this gatekeeping about oh you are not Mexican because you don't speak Spanish oh you are not Mexican because you don't drink tequila I mean in that case then I should give in my my Mexican card because I don't eat that much spicy food and I cannot drink tequila <laughs> so if you want to revoke my nationality then go for it so I think that it's it's a complex discussion that also ties in a lot of like emotional things for for people 
and like their own political views for people who say that sports are not political. There is no one who, who who reads the constitution more than Chivas fans discussing these issues. <laughs> I think that by now Google searches for the articles about Mexican nationality must have skyrocketed in the past week. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like for me, it's not it's not a problem. And I know that people framed it as yeah, I mean, Chivas Femenil can do whatever because they are not part of the institution because. Leslie was just treated as an experiment, but I really don't think so. I mean, I, I don't think that after what we've discussed about the way Nelly has been signing players, I really don't think that she would sign a player just to to do this, like as an experiment, quote unquote, about dual nationals instead of because she saw value in her for the system. And I know that we haven't seen her a lot. And I know that she got maybe a little bit of heat from fans because of her performance in the in the team debut, um, but I mean, like I mentioned, the same thing that everybody said about players like Cassandra or Valenzuela. I mean, I think that she just needs the the space to grow and to show what she can bring to the team. But on the other side, like I said, I mean, for me, it's not. I don't see why it's a problem. But then again, they're going to call me a very relaxed Chivas fan or a fake Chivas fan. But I, I really don't care about that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was definitely. I think this discussion that we're having is important because you know you you were born in Mexico. You're you're Mexican as Mexican can be. I think you know, and then we, you have us who do the podcast from the states and from from the United States. And you know, we were all born in the United States. We we follow Chivas because of our parents. Um, most of us, I I know Flo. Flo, uh, like one of his cousins, is a, is a huge Chivas fan, and that's how he got into Chivas. But I know Luis Rigo, they both got into Chivas because of their, their dad. I got into Chivas because of my dad. But we were all born in, in the United States, and, you know, basically, if players like Leslie Ramirez or Ormeño can't play for Chivas as, you know, having... Mexican parents. I mean, Armenia was born in Mexico. Like, what? What? What is the argument? Like, I don't understand what the problem with Armenia playing for Chivas is. Like, he's Mexican. He was born in Mexico. He's he's more Mexican than than um, who was it? Ponce was born in the United States. Brizuela was born in the United States. Like, I don't I don't see what the issue is. I think the issue is right that he's representing Peru is the issue, but he wasn't getting called up to the Mexican national team. He he had like one of the greatest seasons that a a striker has recently had in Liga MX overall, and Tata Martino still didn't give a crap and and didn't call him up. Peru called him up, so he said, "Screw it, went to play for Peru." You know he missed out on the World Cup, so he's not going to the World Cup. But it doesn't matter. He wasn't getting the attention that he he wanted from the Mexican national team, so he took the opportunity and, and decided to play international football for Peru. He, he was born in Mexico, you know, Leslie Ramirez has a Mexican father, she's Mexican. If That would be like telling everybody on on the podcast from our side in the, in the United States that, that we're not Mexican and that, you know, we shouldn't be Chivas fans or, or that, you know, we're not allowed to like Chivas. Like that tweet, like that tweet we recently got where, you know, um, the person that added us was uh, saying, you know, what? She's like, I don't understand why you do all your tweets in English. Like, you have to keep 
your Mexican roots. And I was like, I, I, I don't see the logic in your tweet. Like, what we're doing is, you know, that's like saying Mexicans outside of Mexico don't exist. We're, we're everywhere. We're born everywhere. You know, you have this huge population of Mexicans in the United States. And you have this huge population of Chivas fans in the United States that for a while, or for a long, long time, Chivas itself was, you know, ignoring and not acknowledging. Now they have, like, their English uh, social media channels, uh, basically Google Translate, all their stuff. But, you know, they're, they're trying, right? <laughs> they're trying. Um, but for a while, no, you know, they, they did not acknowledge fans in the United States. They would come here for a game like every other every other year. Now you see they do their whole Chivas and USA tour and Chivas and, and USA. They 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 like the they probably like the money that they get for coming here, but that, that's another story. But yeah, I mean, there's there, I don't think there's any issue with Leslie Ramirez or Ormeño if he's eventually officially announced. I don't think there's any issue with either of them playing for Chivas. But I think the bigger issue that popped up for for me and you is that you know there are fans out there saying that Chivas Femenil is apart from Chivas, and that you know they don't count and shouldn't be accounted for because they're the ones that technically had the first um, player me- Mexican player that doesn't represent Mexico playing for them because everyone's like oh his history's been made with Armenio or history's going to be made with Armenio. <laughs> Because as of now, as we're recording, that that hasn't been announced and it's not official yet. But no, Leslie Ramirez is the first Mexican player that plays for Chivas that does not represent the Mexican national team. And you have all these fans that are claiming, you know, that Chivas Femenil is not part of Chivas, that they don't care about it, that, you know, that they're just like a little, like they're like a side attraction or something. And, And I don't see how you can be a a Chivas fan or claim to be a Chivas fan and make those remarks. You know, I think if you don't want to watch the league, that's fine, right? You, but you don't have to, like, um, try to play it up or, like, downplay it. I think the league is growing. I think the fans are, are more and more aware of, of what Chivas Femenil is doing. Um, you know, we've, we've started to see... I've started to see pictures of, like, um, billboards with Chivas Femenil players on on like the uh, highways in, in Guadalajara and in Jalisco. So so the awareness is getting there. I think it's just a matter of time before the league really, really blows up. And I think we're going to get more and more of like the negative aspects. I think, Melissa, the first time we invited you onto the podcast, we we touched on that. I think we said, what, what are like your fears of, what are like one of your fears of, you know, that's going to reach Liga MX Femenil from the men's side to the women's side. And I think you talked about, like, kind of like a, like the toxicity of, of Barras or so-called, you know, Barras where they get violent or they, or they don't keep the rivalry on the field and, you know, they start fights in the stands and stuff like that. And I think you, you've told me a couple of times that, you know, there have been flashes and glimpses of that. You know, the, the homophobic chant has kind of like peeked its head out at certain games so i think the league is just going to keep growing but i think to make the remark that you know chivas femenil is not part of chivas i think that's just like ridiculous from from fans i i, I don't know if they are really out there in the world or they, they're just like twitter trolls but 
but it was put out there and I think that was like something that I wanted to talk about. Yeah, I think that there's like a lot of layers to this discussion, both on the on the dual national thing and, and on the is Chivas Femenil part of the club or not. And I think that the way we celebrate like how being Mexican can have its good things, we also need to acknowledge that like Mexican culture has its roots of of like of machismo and like mm-hmm. these like distinctions of racism and classism and, and everything we do that we even discriminate our own fellow Mexicans, right? Like even is speaking purely like as a Mexican who lives in Mexico, like of course I see people discriminating indigenous people and I see people discriminating Mexicans that have a darker skin color and how we even like in our like marketing and the way we are sold this image of of Mexican people in TV and it's all white people. So, I mean, we cannot deny that, that those issues are there. And of course that that bleeds into the way people perceive and, and follow sports. So of course we, we need to acknowledge that those feelings that are very deeply rooted within our, our culture are, are going to show up in, in football. And like, yeah, I mean, I understand if someone can say, yeah, you know what, I, I don't enjoy watching women's football and maybe I haven't paid it attention and I, I'm not going to, I don't have the time for that. And I mean, that that's okay. If somebody, they're not obligated like to follow or to support, it's a choice. But also I, I've been seeing like this very weird divide with Chivas Femenil in particular in that... Most of the support for Chivas Femenil seems to come from outside of Guadalajara, like even the final. I, I ran a small poll about if people were going to go from abroad or, or it was people living in Guadalajara and it was fairly evenly split. And like people say, oh, yeah, but I mean, Chivas Femenil doesn't even fill their own stadium. Nobody shows up. And that's partly because of the way that Akron is very far, like from the city center, it's hard to get there. And even more on like on a Monday night and how long you have to make to get back to your house. So I understand that. But I also feel like the fans elsewhere in the country have embraced the team more. And I think that's also partly to do with the fact that since, like I I live in San Luis, I don't live in Guadalajara. So I only get to see Chivas maybe once a year if the, the guys come and then another once a year if the if the women come. So it becomes like special and you feel like this need maybe more to, to connect with the team because you get it so, so few times like in a year. So I think that in a way the, the Feminine League and the teams, they have become this space for fans who are kind of on the fringes because of the way Liga Femenil has embraced like queer people and then they have like openly lesbian couples. And, and I think that like also like including women in itself, like as fans, we, we sometimes get sidelined and it, it's not always easy to be a, a, a female fan in, in the Mexican space. Like you can get insults and you can get people trying to gatekeep you. So I think that the way it's become like this in a way fringe, or at least like there's people trying to build it as a space for a different kind of fan. And also like on the the economic side of it, like for a family, it's way cheaper to take a family of five and just pay 250 pesos if the tickets are 50 pesos each than 
because that's what a single ticket for a men's match costs. So the way it has been built, I think that has attracted a different crowd than the men's team. And like for me personally, I don't really follow the men's team a lot these days. Like I'm aware of it. I, I don't really even watch their matches anymore. And it, it also has become like this different space for maybe Chivas fans who have become a little jaded with the with the guys. And just like with the way the management has gone. Even though I'm also conflicted with the Amaury situation because like I know the men's team sucks and that's partly his fault because <laughs> of his trust in Pelais and the lack of a coherent sporting project. But we also really need to acknowledge that he really is the most involved owner in the women's side. Like, I don't really see any other owner show up consistently because even in, in like, matches where I thought he wasn't there, like, you sometimes see the behind-the-scenes videos and the guys there in the locker room and, like, the way players interact with him, you can tell that they know him and they trust him from a long time ago. So, I mean... I understand why, like, the general climate around the club isn't the best. And, like, I understand also, like, how there can be even some resentment in a way for men's league, from men's league fans about, like, they feel that maybe the feminine team is leeching away resources or that Amaury is only paying attention to them because they're winning or people are only paying attention to them because they're winning. And, I mean, that's up to to like the individual to, to decide what they want to follow. But yeah, I really disagree with with people who hate on it. Like, I don't feel that great about the men's side, but I'm not bashing the players and I'm not throwing hate at the team. Like, it's I just chose not to engage with it because it's not bringing anything positive to my life right now. And like, like yeah, I, I understand why the, the women's game isn't everyone's cup of tea, but... Yeah, this attitude of, of bashing them and making them feel like they, they shouldn't be there, like that's also like an expression of, of the culture we have of like why are women there? And maybe in a way it's a it's part of that belief that women don't belong in that space. So and and yeah, I mean in, in regards of, of culture, of supporter culture, um the last time Chivas came into San Luis, it wasn't a big crowd as it used to be, partly because of COVID. But there was a part of like very loud fans that seemed very organized and like they were they were cheering a lot and that that was nice because you want to see like organized support. But then they also started doing this chance about how they like drugs and alcohol and 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 women and you're like guys come on like <laughs> I mean that's not appropriate anywhere but even less if you are singing about liking horse to a bunch of women playing. So I mean. I, I wish we could have that kind of support without the negatives, but that's also on us, like to kind of have these discussions about maybe we should rethink the way the supporter culture in Mexico has been built, like with all these logics that have led us to, to violence, like the Querétaro incident and also other incidents in in and also like in the way that, that we speak about about football like I mean let's not pretend that the terminology of rape and, and violence is not used to to make fun of other teams so yeah I mean I think that also that's also I think a reason why some people hate the, the women's game because it kind of makes them confront all these assumptions 
that they have about the way the sport is or should be. But I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, like for me, it's been a really great experience um, following the women's team. It's become a huge part of my life now. And like, I mean, if somebody doesn't want to engage in that, they're missing on a lot. But again, that's their choice. And I'm, I'm not going to begrudge them that. And I think that the, the matter of choice also concerns the Leslie and, and the Ormeño situation because, like, in the end, this is their career. Like, this is what they do for a living. They are professionals. And playing for a national team is always a, a good thing, right, for your career. It means that you have achieved a certain level. And partly, I think that feminine fan, as feminine fans, we understand that players are going to do things that we might not like because that improves their, you know, their salary and, and their chances. Like, the way we've seen players move from Chivas to America, from Atlas to Chivas, and we don't, maybe don't hold them up to that standard because we know that if I am a worker and I am offered a job in Spain and I have a Spanish passport and I can use that to, to go and get maybe a better life, I mean, would anybody begrudge me that? I, I don't think so, so the way that we sometimes call football to a different standard than real life, it, it can be worrisome and it's part of this quote-unquote passion, but we need to be mindful about that passion not becoming violence. Yeah, that, definitely. I think a lot of fans don't put themselves in players' shoes, right? You, you mentioned the whole getting... If, so you do get a job in Spain, you have, the, you have the resources to go there. You know, a lot of the time we see... Now we see, you know, when players leave to Europe, it's like, oh, why are they, or not leave, but you see like, like Orbelin's case, right? You see that he left, he didn't want to resign no matter what, he left, and unfortunately it didn't work out for him, and then you have all these people that are just bashing him, like, see, this is what you get for leaving Mexico, and then it turns into like, oh, you thought you were better than us, and and it's like, I don't know, I, I, we need like a whole, like a whole culture shift, I think, when it comes to how we how we approach or or engage with with athletes because i you know like we we talk about i mentioned like the negativity that you get that players get you know we we saw we saw licha during the national team run that that just ended uh last night um during it she deleted some of her social media accounts um i don't want to assume that it's because you know she was getting hate or like negative attention but i mean it's a possibility and we definitely see it on like the men's side where players post something and like right away it's like nothing but bashing and bashing and, and it's like what like why like what do you, what do you get out of it like um you're just like making people feel bad like uh, you get nothing out of it uh but i yeah i just think as sportsmen there there just seems to be like a whole like a whole culture shift and and i'm not saying like sometimes i will i will play into it and drop like memes here and there but i'm not like attacking like 24 7 where where it seems like some fans like that's all they want to do and it's like why why are you a fan of the team to begin with then like if all you're gonna do is is hate on the team like what what what's the point you know yeah we even had like some of this discussion during the the women's final because like a bunch of fans from other teams were angry at chivas fans because they were booing palafox Right, and like it became like this discussion about like what are boundaries and and like for me and I said it like 
if Licha goes to another team and she's playing against Chivas in a final, you can bet I'm going to boo her. Like, <laughs> I love her. I will always be grateful for what she has done. But during those 90 minutes, she's she's playing against Chivas. And, like, I want her to lose, like, for those 90 minutes. And I'm not going to yell stuff at her. I'm just going to boo her. And I, I, I think that we kind of need to, to think about these boundaries because, like, I, I don't see booing uh, the player as, as something bad, like insulting them, calling their names and messing up with them. Like, yeah, that that's that's crossing the line because you shouldn't mess with them that way. That's something that I, I don't support. The way I don't support, like, people who, who harass players or, or like, even in the, in the women's game, we see it more. Like, there was, like, this discussion because a Facebook Chivas page posted, like, the team calendar and they had, like, a photo of Ruby in a bathing suit and everybody was like, I mean, come on, guys. Like, is that necessary? Like, and then, like, you get in these arguments. Like, yeah, but, like, she posted that photo, so it's public. And, like, she, it's on her social media. So, but I think that we need to be mindful of, of these boundaries because, I mean, like, of course, she's free to post that photo because, like, she obviously po posted it because she likes it, because, like, she feels comfortable posting it. But that does not mean that, we have the right to use that photo like however we want or even to, to use it like in relation to her work as, at the team because that's her job like her job is to be a professional soccer player and like to use photos of her like in uniform playing scoring goals like that that's okay I mean that's understandable and that's like an image of course that, that we want to use but like using their personal life I think that we also need to, to be mindful of that. They're, they're entitled to their personal life and that doesn't need to to get mixed up like with with the way we discuss their, their athletic performance. And that's why I sometimes feel uncomfortable. Like if I see like people posting videos of players like outside going around their day, like if, if you see a player and you approach them and ask them if you can take a photo with them, that's okay. But, like, to go around and record them, like, they're animals in a zoo and they're not aware. I don't know. That that feels weird to me. And like, I wouldn't do it. Because, like, I understand. Like, they, they are entitled to their private life. And, and like, they they they, are, they should be allowed these spaces to that they can have without that becoming something that people exploit for, for clicks about their, their career. Yeah, for sure. I 100% uh, agree agree with you on that um you know players need to be able to have their own their own personal lives right without having to to worry about anything that they do like i think that's why you know more and more i feel like players are like you get you get cases like chicharito and and bella and players that come to play in the u.s where where they kind of have that privacy right even even european players that are coming to the mls like you know you if you're walking around England and you play for whatever team you play for you're, you're probably gonna get recognized a bunch of times but you come to a city in, in the United States and you walk around you can probably go have dinner and nobody will bother you you can go to the beach and, and nobody will bother you you know so I and and in Mexico you don't you don't get that right and you have the paparazzi following you around 24-7 you have fans following you around 24-7 it's like so you can't do anything. You 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 break up with your girlfriend. You get a new girlfriend. You get criticized for for the girlfriend you got. You get criticized for breaking up with whoever you broke up with. You know, it's like there's no privacy, and I think that 
yeah, there just needs to be that that culture shift where you know we cut cut players some slack. I I know, I know some are very passionate about it, but it, at the end of the day, it's just, it's just soccer, right? It's not we're not we're not saving or or ending the world with with what they do on on the field. Um, but I don't know. Sometimes it, it it feels less of like a leisure activity and more like like life or death, and and that's not what what soccer should feel like. Yeah, what's the what's the Michael Cera meme? It's it's only soccer, Greg. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, calm down, Greg. It's just soccer. <laughs> Jonah, yeah, Jonah go and Hill. eat grass, hug your family, <laughs> pet your dog, and I don't know. It's like, and, and yeah, I've also been been feeling like that lately because, like, between the the season break and like I I'm trying like, to not not turn off my phone, but like at least be more or engage more in our offline activities during the weekends. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, the day the Ormeño thing popped up, <laughs> I, I, it was kind of like a day where I was really busy and I didn't even check Twitter. And then I saw like all this toxic discussion and I was like, oh my God, you people need to like <laughs> go out and get some fresh air. Like <laughs> you're acting like a Maori murdered your mom or something like <laughs> like come on guys like yeah i mean i mean i, I understand and like, like there's also like this like i said being like a provincial chivas fan there's also like this divide with like hardcore guadalajara fans like i i get why they they experience this differently right but it's like this ongoing battle about who's more a chivas fan like they're like yeah i'm a third generation fifth generation chivas fan and my <laughs> grandfather got drunk with Chavarreyes and that's why I'm more Chiva than you like come on like that's why I kind of always try to speak openly about the fact that I'm a zero generation Chivas fan because my dad is a Cruz Azul fan and like I I, I became a Chivas fan despite my dad (laughs) not because of my dad so and like yeah I live in San Luis and like I mostly follow the women's team and like so yeah I'm I'm like the, the worst nightmare of a lot of Chivas fans of what a Chivas supporter should look like. So yeah, I mean, I, I embrace that, and I, like that's why I also try to be like very aware of. Not that I don't poke fun at the at the team, but also like trying to be very mindful of the space that I've grown for people. And, like so far, I think they they've responded well. I mean, somebody cursed my mom today, but it's because they didn't understand the joke that I made. They didn't understand that it was sarcasm. So, yeah, it, it took me almost four years for somebody to tell my mom something. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm doing well on that front. Oh, man. Yeah, okay, don't mess with my mom. Like, you know, you, you want to curse at me, it's okay, I can handle it, but like, come on, leave my mom out of this. <laughs> I don't think I don't think we've ever gotten cursed out. I think like the first month that we opened the Chivas del Norte account, we got like called Pocho a couple of times. But I was like, oh, that's it. That's all you got. Like, all right, cool. Well, maybe we will keep this account open. <laughs> yeah, no, and like people always assume I'm a guy. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're like, no, bro, dude, <laughs> no amigo, no sé qué. And they're like, no, I'm not a guy. Like, come on, guys. <laughs> Women can also run crappy <laughs> football accounts. It, it's it's not exclusive to, to guys. 
But yeah, that was so funny when it was somebody going off on my mentions. But I get it. They were defending Licha. I also get passionate defending Licha. So yeah, I mean, I'm not holding any grudges against that person. It was so funny. I think I should print that and frame it because it's the first time I've gotten that. <laughs> All right, before we wrap up the is Chivas Femenila part of the Chivas Institution, um, I just wanted to mention the the campaign that uh, you know we were talking about offline that happened in the Colombian Women's League. So they were trying to promote the Colombian Women's League more, and I think it worked there because does Aguila sponsor every soccer jersey in Colombia? I think they do, right? Yeah, I think it would be like a sponsorship, like maybe on the level of probably Caliente. I think they're the one who sponsor the most teams. Maybe, yeah. So on I, that level, though. Yeah, I think that's why it worked. But what basically happened in in Colombia was that they 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 made the men and the women play with only half a crest. So for a season, they all they each only played with half a crest on their jersey and said, you know, if you want to be an hincha completo, which is basically if you want to be a full fan, a full fan of the team that you support, you're going to have to support the men's side and you're going to have to support the women's side. Um, I think the campaign was pretty successful based off the videos that I've seen. And like, if you go back and search the tweets, um, I think they got a pretty good, pretty good response, pretty positive responses. But, um, you know, I mean, this is just like one company making the effort to, to try to push the, the women's league, try and push money into the league, build awareness and uh, you know, Melissa, we asked you the first time you were on the podcast, like what what do you think either Chivas or the league as a whole can can do to to build more awareness to the to the league and um, you know, I, I, I don't think we've seen the campaign at the level of the, the the campaign that that happened in Colombia, in Mexico, yeah. Unless I'm not I'm, I'm, unless I'm not aware of it, but I don't think I've seen anything like anything remotely close to that big. And um, I'm gonna share the 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 campaign that they did in Colombia as a follow up tweet to when I tweet out the episode. So if anybody wants to look into it, I'll I'll leave the details on Twitter. But Melissa, like I ask you, like you know, what what are things that you think? short term that the 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 league or chivas themselves can do to build awareness or build fandom for for the team or the league yeah this is a discussion that we kind of been having as a community because of the like the recent concacaf women championship mm-hmm. where it was in monterrey and everybody expected huge crowds but in the end like the the turnover was like not as expected there weren't as many fans as they thought there would be and like I think that it's it comes down to promotion. Like maybe being in, in like our Twitter bubble, we think that there's a ton of fans, and just because we're super passionate here, it's going to translate into real life support. But right. that's not necessarily the case. And like clubs and the federation, and like in this case, Concacaf, they they should have really try to push towards getting the casual fans in, like maybe somebody who lives in Monterrey, but maybe they, they don't necessarily follow Tigres or, or, or Rayadas, you know, which is probably like five people in, <laughs> in the city because it seems like everybody has an allegiance there. 
but like you still try to to promote the, the tournament, right? So as women's football fans, we know it's happening, but maybe more casual fans or or just people in the street they don't know that it's going to to happen, and that's maybe why they weren't able to bring in as as many people. So it, it's still a ton of promotion that needs to be done. And not just promotion, but also like the quality of the product, because while the league has improved a lot, like I sometimes see videos from five years ago, and like it's a huge difference in the in the quality and the technique. Like the better the league becomes, like the easier it's going to be to sell it to someone, because you know they're going to see a really good football game and they're not going to care that it's women like they're just going to enjoy like the emotion and the technique and the the goals and the good defense and the the good goalkeeper so it, it's also that and like I, I think they asked Licha recently like about um, like the equal pay and, and she said we also need to be like self-critical and like realize that we are still not generating as much revenue and, and that we are maybe not going to to get as higher wage as the men, but we also like need to do our part and and put out like a good product and be good players and be disciplined and and like just offer a, a good show for people to to turn their heads and, and look at us. So yeah, I mean that also requires clubs to commit to to spending what they should be spending to make sure that players have you know good conditions and that they they can take care of themselves properly so that they can be you know, better athletes. So, I mean, it's like all those little things that keep adding up and just at, at least like from the Chivas perspective, I really see that there's a commitment from front office in terms of promoting the team and like there's the option of watching them on Chivas TV and like their games are on cable and that the, the broadcasting is also like a, a different topic because we are seeing this push to send the women's matches to like streaming platforms exclusively, and mm-hmm. we are all like worried because you should be pushing to have the women's matches on open TV so that someone who doesn't have cable can get exposure to that. Because like as much as we we believe that, yeah, a lot of people have cell phones and the internet, but it's not everybody. And like if we should be pushing for the league to have more exposure instead of just trying to close it off to, to streaming only. So... I think that's a, another discussion that that should happen, and maybe it would also be like a if you're going to do experiments with the women's league, maybe do a good experiment and try to package the deal for the rights for the entire league in a single like thing that a single provider could give, and maybe that could help boost the league more. And like speaking strictly about Chivas. While I do see like a commitment and like I've spoken about the Maori being like really into the team, I think there's also like little details like the fact that you cannot buy a femenil jersey in the States. Like you can watch their games, but there's not much else you can do like in terms of, of throwing money directly to the team. And like even in Mexico, like it can be hard to get the, the jersey sometimes and then you cannot get it like personalized. So if I wanted a Alicia jersey, I should be like I need to look into like a third party to to give me that service. So I think that there's a lot that can be improved, but I also think that the team is going in the in the right direction to to promote it. And like of course, the fact that they were very successful the last semester is also going to 
to make it easier, you know, for people to enjoy it, to say, okay, I mean, I'm going to see a Chivas team that, that wins, that plays well, that has all these figures like the, the Blanca, Felix, and the Licha Cervantes, and Jaramillo, and Montoya, and like, and Carol Bernal, La Bichota, <laughs> because they, they've been able to, to have like this kind of like characters in a way that, that people really, they really love. And, and like, I think that in the women's game, we kind of maybe see these more genuine interactions because like Licha, she's like the, the anti-star in a way. Like she's a player that's super shy and like she doesn't like interviews. Like she's, she has said it openly. Like I avoid interviews. I think that she told that to Canelo, right? That yeah, she's saying she, she doesn't like press. An interview, <laughs> but she doesn't like doing them. And like you, you see her receiving awards and, and like she's so like awkward and like she's like, what am I doing here? <laughs> And, and yet people respond to that because it's like a very genuine thing. Like she's not pretending to be someone she isn't, right? And, and when she speaks of loving Chivas and of caring about the club, it, she speaks of it like any of us would. So the fact that they have all these figures and, and that can be very inspiring for everyone, like not just for us as women, but like I know that a lot of guys and boys are very inspired by her. And all those little things, like if given the proper exposure and like given the proper resources for the sport to grow, like staff and like wages and like travel conditions, all that will we'll keep building so that we have something that people won't be able to ignore. I mean, it's already becoming something that you cannot ignore, but it will keep growing and like also acknowledge that the growth has been there like in these five years. We're not going to get there tomorrow but i think that they are building a, a very good solid foundation to, to keep growing the sport in the in the country yeah definitely i think the growth of the league can't be denied i think if marketing money is put into the into teams and you know promoting the teams i think they're definitely going to build more and more awareness i think also just having these discussions now like acknowledging that there's a women's league talking about the women's league um you have more and more accounts covering liga mx covering liga mx feminine everyone's you know having the discussions i mean i see it in in the little small discord community that we have in in the chivas del norte discord right um to a year ago a year and a half ago the the chivas feminine channel was was dead right it would be dead during games it would be me and, like, one other person talking. And now, you know, we got, like, 10, 10 12 people in the channel during games talking about games. The, uh, the Licha, the infamous uh, Licha clip with her in the Rayada jersey. And they ask her, like, who, who's really your team? Like, uh, who do you really root for? It's okay, you could tell us. And then she's like, so she was, and, like, that, that video was, like, making rounds. And they're like, they're like, who is this? They're like, this is Licha. They're like, oh, we love Licha, like. Like you get that kind of exposure, you start those kind of discussions, and and you know you grow grow the league organically. I think word of mouth, and you know you see these Chivas fans that that you know that you acknowledge that you know are real Chivas fans, and they're talking about the women's league, and and they like the women's league, and they're starting to you know they're getting more and more into it. I think we just have to have these discussions, right? Don't don't be afraid to talk about the women's league, and you know I think. 
like you said, you know, Melissa, you built the platform that you have with your channel. I think I thought, you know, when we started covering the, the Women's League more and more, there were eventually going to be those followers that were going to be like, why are you covering this league? Like, no one cares about it. But we never we never got that backlash. And I don't know if it's on account of, you know, we, we just have good followers or or they just or the mentality, I guess, for, for fans in the stakes when it comes to the women's sports is different but um we just i just haven't seen that negativity and i i honestly expected it because like you said melissa we have that ingrained machismo and machismo culture in in mexicans right and and i see it here too in in mexican americans and and america but um thankfully we never had that backlash um you know there will be like jokes here and there but you know you kind of just you know confront them and be like you know it's not like no i i watch the league i like the league i like these players and you know once they once you know you know they they're not funny or like you don't acknowledge that they're funny you just brush them off and you know you keep keep moving along but i think we just got to have these discussions um talk about the league you know enjoy if you enjoy the league talk about it tweet about it tell a friend about the league you know i have friends that know nothing about women's soccer but but know who Licha is you know and and it's like what like how how would they know who Licha is and it's like oh yeah my friend talked about her that one time or or you know showed us a clip one time so you know we just gotta we just gotta have those those discussions yeah and when it comes becomes like organic and like it comes from a good place i think that it it shows like i think the the canelo interview did a lot to expose mm -hmm. the women's league and you could even see it like when Canelo was listening to Licha talk about what she had to go through to make it to the pros and and he was he was thinking right I thought I had it hard mm -hmm. I thought I, I had a hard time making it to a professional level but you know you, you are having it so much worse and and I think that kind of opened a, a channel of communication where they, they realized what they had in common and what was different and and how like in the end they're just like two people who want to play football for for a living in different conditions but the, the end goal is the same so i think that things like that the canelo interview and and i'm seeing like the growth organically because the the day of the final i think i, I went to it with, with some friends and it was like just your you know you're an, an average like wins place and and like this guy arrived and him and his father, they were wearing Chivas jerseys and like the men's team wasn't playing that day. And, and then I, I overheard them and the, the guy was explaining to his dad about Licha and about the team. And like that made me feel so good because this is something that is happening organically, like the, the enthusiasm and like people who have been approaching it. It's coming like from a place of, of good faith and, and yeah, like a lot of it will be affected by that like that machismo but i think that they the women's team is also challenging those assumptions and and it's making people change for the better yeah definitely did it is it true that angulo is going to have uh, blanca on the podcast next I, I thought i saw someone mention that in the discord but i i couldn't find like a picture or anything i just looked at his uh his socials did you yeah, see anything have, yeah he's going to have blanca but that's not the only player he's going to interview. So he's going to have more women's players too. Oh, I, nice. I heard of another one, but I, I don't think I can mention it here. But 
yeah you, you'll see it when when, when it comes <laughs> out but i think that that's really great because he's using his platform to in a very natural way like expose like the women's game and like it doesn't really feel forced at all and i, I don't know i really enjoy canelo's interviews because like he seems so, such like a like a very open like chill guy yeah because i mean licha hardly ever wants to talk like it's really hard to get her to talk in like the way he was able to to like get her to like chill and relax and just like express everything that she hasn't probably expressed in interviews in the past i don't know 20 years of her life it it was pretty special to see nice i'm i'm looking forward to those to those episodes yeah i i enjoy um Ganello's, uh interviews that he does on on YouTube, when, whenever he does his teammates, I, I watch them. But when he he has like random people, I, I haven't watched those, uh, so I don't know. I don't know how he is with non soccer players, but when, when it comes to his teammates and soccer players, uh, pretty good. I like I like his show. So if anyone hasn't watched the uh, Alicia Cervantes episode of the what is it Disfruta el Viaje Can- Canelo's uh, video channel, I think you can download on download it on Spotify now too. So you don't want to sit down and, and watch it for I think it was like an hour and something, right? The the Lee yeah, interview. Yeah, interview. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty long, but it was really really good. So, yeah, if you haven't watched it, it's on YouTube. If you want to listen to it, I'm I'm like ninety nine percent sure you can download it on Spotify now. I don't think it's on on like Apple Podcasts. It might be on other podcast platforms, but it's definitely on Spotify. And Melissa will wrap up the episode quickly with the champs are back they uh, had their debut game last night home opener against Cholos um I guess before we talk about the game we can talk about the departures that Chivas had uh, in the offseason uh, a lot of like uh, sentimental favorites are, are kind of gone from from Chivas Miriam Castillo is gone she's now plays for Juarez Yashira Barrientos left Chivas she now plays for Leon Isabella Gutierrez, uh, a personal favorite of mine, has left Chivas. She's in, I know you too, Melissa. We're both uh, La Wa fans. She now went to East Carolina University here in the United States. Leah Romero, a personal favorite of mine, now signed with Santos. And then Atsima Casas also left Chivas. But I believe she doesn't have a team as of yet. I don't know if you know something, Melissa. Yeah, the Atsima Casas situation was a bit weird because she wasn't playing. Mm-hmm. And there was a ton of speculation. She may kind of mentioned that she had a car accident. And then the club like released a statement that she had a, a back injury. So we don't know if that was like a career ending injury or, or she's not comfortable yet to, to come back into into the pitch. But yeah, it's sad because she never really got the chance to, to like shine or, or get some chances, like partly because of coaching decisions and like afterwards because of her injury so i mean no no hard feelings on on any of the players i think they they were all like looking for more minutes or you know looking for a change and they're all getting getting like playing time so i mean it makes sense for them and, and they're getting like this kind of endorsement of living in a high with some titles and like living I guess closing the chapter, particularly for Miriam Castillo, because she arrived the season after Chivas won their first title, and she has long been a favorite of mine. 
I think that she was one of the most underrated players and she would before Caro, before Jocelyn, she was the player that got the most hits and she would never get injured. Like every match I was praying because her ankles would get targeted <laughs> so much. And like I, I really enjoyed her her game and like she was a she also seemed to be like a, a good like locker room personality that everybody loved her and, and and she was a prankster a little bit. So yeah, I mean I'm glad that that she left like on that high with those titles because she's one of the she had been one of the longest playing with Chivas and she hadn't gotten anything. So it was sad to see her, but I also understand that she's kind of more on the final part of her career than at the start. So. It makes sense that that she wants to get as many minutes on the pitch as she can while she can. And I mean, Yashira, she's also like a player that I actually really liked, but I feel like she was never able to find a good fit at Chivas because of her playing style. She's more like a maybe more of a traditional striker. Like she didn't have like a ton of maybe mobility. Like she was not going to be running box to box to defend and stuff. Yeah. But I really, really enjoyed her. I think that she has a ton of talent, but she needs to find a team where the system can fit her. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully that, that comes at Leon. And then Isabella, Lagua, I mean, huge, huge talent, very young. And I I, I was, like, posting that video of the guy saying congratulations and crying. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, of course, I wanted to see her keep stay at Chivas, but... I mean, she's going to the to the U.S. college system that we know it's a it's a good place for youngsters. And I, I also heard like from good sources that the departure from Chivas was very friendly, that she got a ton of support like from Nelly in front office. So I'm sure that when she graduates or, or she decides to to like finish her college career, she's she's got a good chance of returning. So I'm I'm really happy for her. I hope that she grows a lot and that she can shine there because she's got the skills and like she could be a huge talent like for Mexico even because she's a U20 national team player. So yeah, I mean, Leah Romero, she's also like, she never quite found her feet because at times she was a, a winger and then she was a, a fullback and she kind of got a, a few good games at the end and I thought mm -hmm. she was going to stay, but maybe she has to leave because she wasn't also getting that much playing time. So, yeah, I mean, I think that they were kind of expected or, or at least it's, it's understandable why they left and it doesn't feel like anybody left on bad terms either. So maybe just like the best for, for everybody. Yeah, I don't think anybody left on, on bad terms. And like you said, I think all the departures are understandable. You know, they all, they all want to play. They all need to play. Um, but we also did get additions, so, you know, everything, for every negative, there's a positive, I guess. We got Adriana Ipubirbe from Atlas, and we got Isabel Casis from uh, San Luis. Um, not too familiar with either player. Um, I know when I first started getting into Chivas Femenil, I, I used to watch, like, almost every, every other game in the league, but now that... You know, the world is back to semi-normal and we all have to go back to work. I don't have I don't have as much time as I used to or as much time as I, I was not supposed to have. But uh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't been playing, paying too, many atten too much attention to other teams. 
Um, I did like what I saw from uh, Boyi Ipuvirde last night. Um, I think she was, you know, killing herself the whole the whole time she was on the pitch. She was fighting for every ball, trying to get open all the time. And then Isabel Casis came in as a substitution. They both made their debuts. Um, I liked what I saw from Casis. I think she, I think she's gonna have a lot of a lot to offer the team. Um, I think a couple of. I think even the announcing said she didn't have like the greatest debut, but I mean, in my eyes, you know, except first game with Chivas, it's a new system. She's coming from another team, so I think she, I think she did perfectly fine for uh, what we needed from her last night. Yeah, I mean, Boyi Adriana Iturbide, she's she had long been like a like a standout player for for Atlas, like one of their more like better known players, and like it, it's funny because of the move. She feels, or or it seems like she's very happy to be at Chivas. <laughs> like she she just tweeted like while we're recording, like thank you everybody for your support. And then like when she just got here, she was asked. I think it was Chema Garrido who made to make things even funnier. He's like an atlista, and then he he asked her why why Chivas, and she said, "Me lo explicaron y le entendí," <laughs> which is like the classic jab. <laughs> At Atlas, yeah. <laughs> when we snipe one of their players, and then she also spoke about the way Chivas was a team made of work, like referencing the fact that that you know they are not super flashy or big name, but all the players have worked to to be better. And like I said, okay, yeah, I mean it, it's not just a joke. She really did understand the team, and and also the thing with her is that. She probably was a bit limited in her options to move because I, I don't know. I think she graduated, but she's a doctor, like a, a real legit medical doctor, and she was finishing her studies, so she needed to stay in Guadalajara. So I, I don't know. I think that it, it works. It seems to work for her in terms of of like her career, but also I don't know. She she seems to be very very happy to to be there and and like yeah, I mean. The way Nelly has been setting up the transfer windows, the signings always seem to make sense. Like, the way they came in, like, you see how they fit in with the team. Yeah, they, they still need to adjust, but you understand what they're trying to do. Like, yeah, Boyi is going to, not just as, as a standalone right now that we don't have Licha, but I think that she could also work very well with her. And Isabel Casis I'm a little bit more familiar with because she's from, from the San Luis team and I, I try to go to as many matches of them. And and I, I think I mentioned this on Twitter and it's so, so funny. I didn't like her at first, maybe because like she's also very young, and but it seemed like she would just run kind of like a, a little bit like a Carlos Fierro style, <laughs> where it's kind of like this very chaotic, chaotic run and like it doesn't seem like they're going to be able to do much, but... I, I like her attitude. Like it, it's it must be hard to move from like a smaller team like San Luis. Boy, maybe not so much because you know Atlas have played liguillas and semifinals, so she has that experience. But yeah, I mean, Casis. Like I, I think that she looked relatively good. There was this one play where she had the ball and she had like a lot of space so that she could have made a, a long run. And that's exactly the type of play that, that we would see from her at San Luis because, you know, San Luis is it's a team that used to play a little bit more thrown in the in the defense and maybe just counter. And because of her speed, that's the kind of play that she would get. Like she would get a long ball and then try and run and, and finish in the box. 
So it kind of like surprised me a little that she kind of held back and then just passed on the ball to, to someone else. So maybe it's just like a, bit, a little bit of stage fright. But that's exactly how, how she fits in the team in terms of her speed, her ability to play from the wings. And and she does have like decent finishing. So, I mean, she she fits the, the Chiba style that we've been seeing. And she also make like these very defensive runs to, to support the her fullbacks and, and the defense. So, yeah, you, you see them and you realize, oh, yeah, so that's why they're brought in. So I think it's always nice to see the new signings like have, have a really good adaptation and also like the attitude. I think that they both look very happy to be at Chivas and and I'm sure that they're going to make the most out of this chance. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, so we can get into the game. Last night, Chivas Femenil debuted against Cholos at home. Uh, of course, Chivas had four key absences due to the CONCACAF Women's Championship that was going on, the national team. Licha was missing, Caro, Jocelyn Montoya, and Cassandra Montero were all playing with the national team trying to qualify to the national to the World Cup and to the Olympics. So Chivas debuted, they beat Cholos 2-1 goals from Michelle Gonzalez. You know, you can only hope to contain Michelle, you know, you can't stop her, what is what we've learned, Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> and then Gabi Valenzuela with uh, a nice finish from a really nice uh, Annette Vasquez pass, which uh, gives us a lot of hope, right, Melissa? Good to see Annette Vasquez get an assist this early in the season. Yeah, with, uh, with Annette, it's this weird thing because she does really well in the national team and then she comes to Chivas and I don't know if it's a combination of like her maybe not being played like on her most comfortable position. But then she's gotten chances there where, where she's at her best and she just doesn't seem to, to like pan out the way we would like her to and I mean hopefully this is the season where where she makes it. I, I know that she has talent, I know that she's she's got skills that she had bring she can bring to the table, but yeah, I mean she's just like that matter of maybe not exactly fulfilling expectations and if there's someone who defies expectations is Mitch, Michelle <laughs> Gonzalez. Because every time that people say, oh, no, Mitch is there, like, she's so slow, she has no technique, and then she goes and she scores this fantastic header, even though she's a defender. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just love Mitch because she's kind of like this chaotic energy. <laughs> because, like, a lot of people don't like her, and, like, I get it, I get it. Like, she's maybe not the most technically gifted, virtuoso player you'll ever see, but what I've heard is that she's actually a very good presence in the locker room. Like she's she she's like the this kind of like balance there and and also like you hate her all you want but she has like an historic accomplishment that no other player in the league has <laughs> because she won the first Copa tournament uh, because before the league there was like this initial cup where it was all the teams and they it, it lasted like a week so she she won that with Pachuca and now she has. A league title with, with Chivas, and she has the Campeona de Campeona, so she has the triple crown. No other player, like <laughs> not Licha, not Charlene Corral, not Liliana Mercado, no one from Tigres, no one from Rayadas, no one from America, no one else in the league out of 500 players and probably more that have gone through the ranks in five years has achieved this feat. Only 
Michelle González has this. So yeah, I mean, rock it girl and be proud and people can say it's luck, but I want some of that luck. I mean, I want to trip <laughs> and get those titles. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I just love Mitch. Like, if they come to St. Louis, I'm definitely going to, to fangirl and get a photo with Mitch and tell <laughs> that I love her because I, I really, I really do. Like, I, I, I want to see those stories. Like, I mean, not everybody is messy, you know. You, you you want to see players who make the most out of their out of their skills and out of their chances. And if there's someone who who has done that, it, it's her. And like props to her for doing that. Yeah, I was uh, when I first started watching Chivas Femenina, I was like, oh no, I was one of those fans. Just like, oh no, Mitch is there. Oh no, Mitch can't keep up with that player. Oh no, what is Mitch doing? And now it's like, I just embrace the chaos that that Mitch brings to like. Because I know, like, um, what are, what are they called? The uh, sofa technicals or technicals the sofa? They have a they have a show where they like really get into like tactics and whatnot. And I know, like, Mitch is like their worst nightmare come true, and and she just keeps scoring and keeps racking up accomplishments, and you know, they'll never be able to take that away from her. Yeah, and she had like this is the fourth season in a row that she scores in the first match. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, she, she gets all these kinds of bonkers achievements. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, the, the technicals is fine. Like, everybody, you, you know, you have your champagne, beautiful football players, and then you have your anti-football players, and maybe that's what Mitch is. But, yeah, I mean, I, you, you always need some luck on your team, and if Mitch has it, then it's better that she's in our side and, and not scoring against us, right? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Um, all right, other standout players from last night. I, I really liked what I saw from Gabby Valenzuela. I think if Gabby can stay healthy, she's going to be a problem. Um, I mean, we're already, I think, stacked at winger. We have, obviously, when Justin Montoya comes back, the left wing is going to belong to her. The right wing belongs to Ruby. But just having that ace up your sleeve, Gabby, who can even line up at striker, right? I think we saw her play striker last season when... Uh, when Licha was either out with COVID or with the national team, I think she played striker and she didn't look too bad. So Gabby's like a perfect ace up your sleeve. And then Ruby, it's good to see Ruby back after uh, she picked up, I, I believe it was a hamstring injury against Pumas right away in the in the Liguilla. So she wasn't part, unfortunately, she wasn't part of the, the complete championship run. She didn't play the whole season with Chivas, but uh, right in the quarterfinals to start off, I think like 20 minutes into the first game, she picked up that hamstring injury, but it's good to see her bounce back. She's looking more and more like the the old Ruby, the the Ruby that was my first favorite. She was going to be a player ever. And then she left and then Licha came along and it was just like, it's like shattered like every, every Ruby thought the memory I ever had. And like, but now that she's back, you know, she, she's rebuilding herself. <laughs> I don't think I ever posted it, but I, I did make that meme of, like, Borrame ese recuerdo de ese amargo amor. Yeah. <laughs> Where there's this lady asking the, the person with, like, the with the temperature check to, to delete her memories. <laughs> and then it's, like, Licha coming into to your... And now to see them together, I mean, it's fantastic. But, yeah, I mean, I really, really would have loved to see Ruby play against Tigres in the Liguilla. <laughs> Because she just hates Tigres, like, hates them. And, and, like, Tigres fans hate her, too, because she's gotten into, like, a few, like, 
fights with them and like yeah she, she's got like that kind of personality that you want like for those kind of matches but yeah it, it's a bummer that she didn't get to be like part of the Leguilla run but also like it's good to to have her back and she did the full preseason so she should be okay yeah if anything that's gonna be like motivation right and to go back to back she missed you know she she did play the whole season but she missed like the games that she really wanted to play so she has to get back there now she has to participate in the in the next championship that she was wins um unless any other standouts that you had from last night's game yeah no no i think that those were the and yeah maybe like the mistake from blanca but i mean understandable because of the sun but yeah hopefully she'll she'll bring a cap or something next time <laughs> i think i think blanca's earned some some slack you know some slack <laughs> yeah, nobody, nobody even got angry. Like everybody was like, "Yeah, I mean, Blanca can do whatever she wants. Like, <laughs> she wants to score another own goal. Like, we don't care. Like, she can kick me. In. <laughs> like, she's earned it. Like, right now, and and like it wasn't. Yeah, I really think that it was like the sun, because if if you see the like the replay, there's like a stretch of sun that covers exactly like where her goal was. So. Yeah, maybe just like a, a bit of a maybe rookie mistake because they're probably not used to playing at the Akron at that time. So yeah, maybe just bring something to 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 get the sun off her eyes next time, some sunglasses or or something. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I I don't I wouldn't chalk it up to like lack of confidence or or anything. I think that just like a and also like. First, the first match, you you know, you expect the players to be a little bit rusty and like maybe their timing to be a little bit off. But like the important thing is that they were able to, to you know, to, to come back and to get that win. And maybe not like the prettiest match, but the important thing is that they get the points and like that confidence boost because missing the 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 national team players and. They didn't really play with any U20 either. Mm-mm. Like, Carol, Keen, and Annette were there, but they didn't get, like, a ton of minutes. It's, so it's not like we were reliant on them. So, yeah, I mean, I think that overall it's just, like, a good result to, to get everyone going and, like, figure out what needs to be improved. But also they, they used the, the, two, the two new signings. So, yeah, I think that they'll just keep picking up. And I, I don't know who they're up against on next game. They play Necaxa on Saturday at 9 p.m. Necaxa, is there no? I don't know. There's no. I don't know. Is there is there men's games this weekend? I feel like they never match them up against like men's times games matchups. Yeah, that's, that's like weird. that's not like a common yeah. Right. So okay, I thought check. it was a. I thought I was accidentally looking at the men's side, but no, it's Chivas Femenil, Saturday night, nine o'clock Mexico time, ten p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Huh, that's a that's a weird uh, time slot. I don't. I feel like I've never seen that time slot for Chivas Femenil, unless it's yeah, like a people people day. Play first against Santos, like they're playing an away game. Yeah. And Necaxa is playing the men's side is playing against Pumas. Like on Sunday, and at the at their stadium, so that's probably why it cleared enough to. Oh, okay. 
And like it's probably maybe like their attempt to do like a double header because Fox doesn't really have any matches, immense matches that day, so it doesn't really conflict with their schedules, and they can have like something that can get some some attention there. All right, so I can watch the men's game, and then the Chivas and Anil game washes away the bad taste that the men's team is gonna leave. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even like. <laughs> feel like watching the the women's national team yesterday and that's a whole and different mess that we maybe we need to talk about at another time but yeah i was like no i'm happy chivas won i mean i'll keep taps on the game but i'm not going to make myself bitter over watching this yeah i'll just cling on to this happiness and like the silver lining is that the players licha caro jos and Cass should be back very soon before expected, which is up, but <laughs> also kind of a win for Chivas. So. And they didn't get hurt, which was the important part. Because I was like, because when I saw Cas, uh, Caro, and Licha about to start, I was like, oh no. I was like, watch one of them get hurt. Like, just like. Yeah, and it's like, Monica, that... you can use them, so just yeah. bench them. Mm-hmm. Just let them come back here healthy. <laughs> Not happy, but certainly healthy and yeah we made it with no no injury so yeah they'll probably just get like some rest i don't think they're going to play like the no maybe not on saturday yeah yeah they also are going to need maybe some like good therapy sessions or something because that was quite something on that tournament yeah i don't even think they they didn't get much of a like an off season either, right? Because they went right into the national team camp. Right after the campeona de campeonas, Licha missed like the first training camp. Over oh, the Ballon d'Or, right? No, she she left training camp for that. No, she did get a few days off, like straight oh, okay. off, and then after that training camp, the rest got some got a week off. So they they each got like a week off. Yeah, but that's, but that's nothing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They they need they need some rest before they they come back and play with Chivas. Yeah, maybe just give them like the rest of this week off and mm-hmm. just have them prepare for the for the other match the for the third match which is going to be at my city so I'm going to definitely be there waiting for them <laughs> in the stadium so it's going to be fun. Nice, nice. All right, so the next Chivas Femenino game is Saturday night, um, 9 o'clock Mexico time, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard, and 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. So make sure to watch that game. Um, I'm not going to say when we're going to be back because we might be back, like, in two years. So. <laughs> After um, they win three more championships. <laughs> We'll, we'll try we'll try to be consistent um no promises like i said we have been we've all been very busy and it's been hard to sit down and record um we have a lot going on but we're, we're definitely going to try and yeah just keep supporting keep supporting the men's side keep supporting the women's side they're all they're all part of chiva support the youth academy teams if you can watch it support tapatio just just support mexican chiva soccer um with that we are out. Melissa, thank you for joining me on another episode of the Chivas del Norte podcast. It was a pleasure.
yeah, let's keep supporting. And just because we don't record doesn't mean we don't check our Twitter. So you can tweet <laughs> at us. Just please no, no swear words and no messing with my mom. And we should be fine. <laughs> All right. We are out. <laughs>